<laughs> what is up? I'm Jessica Laurent, post abuse dating coach, mom of girls, and as my daughters would say, a total baddie. I help women balance dating and parenting while being intentional about healing from abuse. This podcast is all about breaking cycles and building bonds. As moms, all we want is for our daughters to avoid the struggles that we had to endure. But truth be told, they learn how to show up and interact with the world by watching how we show up and interact with the world. So if you want them to have better and be better, you yourself have to do better and be better. Healing is not always cute, but I promise you it's always worth it. So watch out world because we are healing and we are dating after abuse. Welcome to the most delicious space in podcast land. Um, <laughs> I realize I use the word delicious to describe a lot of things that are not food. Um, but it makes a lot of sense because when I look at my human design chart, taste is like my most sacred and powerful sense. So with that, I am so grateful that my mom was all into recreational drugs so that I have this amazing crackhead metabolism. Like, RIP mom, you are the real MVP. <laughs> oh, I play too much. But really, welcome to episode two. We are going to get into, um, we're going to do a deep dive into better understanding what's happening in the mind and the body um, in these abusive situations. So I named this one, How Could You Let This Happen? Because I kind of feel like that's the energy that we get stuck in. And that is really not uh, energy or a mind space that is conducive for growth. So um, we're definitely going to do some deep diving so that we can move past that. Um, this is going to cover all the abuse. You know, we're going to talk about physical abuse and emotional abuse and psychological abuse because it's not just physical. When people hear abuse, their minds go to physical abuse. But honestly, emotional and psychological abuse um, can be more destructive than physical abuse. So we're going to see what happens on a chemical level when we interact in those toxic spaces. Oftentimes, people who have never experienced abuse have a hard time understanding like why, why you would let somebody treat you so badly. And without even trying to, they make you feel like it's your fault. Um, and we end up having and carrying this unhealthy shame. And shame is a huge hindrance for growth. Um, because if you're too ashamed to bring it up, too ashamed to talk about the abuse, there is no way that you can analyze what happened and detach from it. So um, to to let is to allow and to allow is to give somebody permission to do something. And it's never really that we consciously sit there and be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to I'm just going to let you do this. It's never a conscious act of relinquishing power. Um, it's more it's more like a barter 
I know that sounds crazy, but that's really what it is. It's like you give them their fix for control. Um, and that's, that's something that they need. And then they fulfill your need, um, needs that you pretty much don't really know that you have. So we're going to get into those needs. We're going to get into, um, things that are unconscious that we get from these people and it makes it difficult for us to leave. So I want you to sit with the fact that humanity in general has no clue about what it means to be human. Like, we are legit simply like making it up as we go. We create these ideas and agreements of what it means to be a good human, what it means to be a productive human, a successful or smart human. And really, we are just a collection of broken people trying to get our needs met. And at the root of it all, we have six basic human needs and Tony Robbins breaks them down quite efficiently. So when we talk about what everybody needs, we go into these six. We have certainty, uncertainty, significance, connection and love, growth and contribution. So when you talk about certainty, that's the assurance that you can avoid pain or gain pleasure. Uncertainty of variety is that we have a need for the unknown. As crazy as that sounds, it's like we kind of want that surprise and it kind of makes us, you know, it feels exhilarating and we kind of get a little anxious, but it's good anxious. So we want that unknown. We want that change and that new stimuli. Um, significance, that's self-explanatory. Everybody wants to feel unique or important or special or needed by somebody. Love and connection, that strong feeling of closeness or union with somebody or something. That one, we mistake that one for our number one driving force when it could really be something else. Um, growth. Everybody wants that, the capacity to expand, you know, or to understand or to be more. Like it's that stagnation can drive you crazy if you don't feel like you're making progress or you're moving forward at any point and contribution um a sense of service or focusing on helping giving and supporting others and even though it's hard to maybe see that in some people it is still a need that people have um your childhood and the environment that you grow up in plays a major role in how you rank these needs in terms of importance. So let's take a look at each of them in relation to how it shows up in an abusive situation. So when we talk about certainty, you know, let's face it, like we all want to be in control. We all want to know what's next. It's a survival mechanism. We want to be able to move in a direction of pleasure and get away from pain. Also, the brain really likes certainty. To be honest, we give way too much credit to the brain. It really is a lazy piece of shit. Like, its main goal is to keep our body alive. Like, it keeps you in a state of homeostasis and balance. Like, that's what it wants. It wants to do this in the most efficient way possible. Basically, the brain's forever mood is how can I exert the least amount of energy? How can I do the least amount of work? Like how we do on our jobs. Like how can I do the least amount of work? How can I get away with fucking around on my phone for an hour, you know, and only have to work six hours? So energy is life. So it wants to exert the smallest amount of energy possible. Um, and certainty is a good way for it to do this. Like it knows, you know, if it's predictable and it's something that we know how to do it, we don't have to exert that much energy. So think about when you're walking, 
You know, we don't have to exert mental energy and say, pick your left leg up, pick your right leg up, because your body already knows how to do that. It can do it without thinking about it. But if you need to learn, let's say, a new dance, like that's something totally different. And it requires more energy. It requires new brain connections. It requires the brain to work harder. And in an attempt to preserve that energy, it attempts to dissuade you from the whole dance thing. It makes it feel hard. It makes it feel uncomfortable. It makes it feel like your body's not doing what it's supposed to do. So you're like, oh, fuck this. And you end up giving up and the brain wins. Like It is very good at preserving energy. Um, so all of these ideas can be considered in the realm of relationships also. So when you consider your childhood, if you were extremely poor, you never knew where your next meal is going to come from or you didn't know where you guys are going to sleep. Let's say you were homeless or living with relatives like you never establish a sense of certainty. Um, so this can make the desire for certainty a huge driver for you. Um, as odd as it may sound to other people, the certainty of dysfunction will cater to that need. If your abuser provides um, any amount of certainty, you will find yourself struggling with the idea of leaving. So if they provide financial certainty, emotional certainty, uh, any kind of certainty that, you know, always has someone in your life, like if that's, if it's just a simple fact that I know this person will always be around, that's a certainty. Um, the idea of certainty with pain trumps any idea of a life without the certainty. So even though it seems weird or, you know, something's just like you, people that haven't been there can't imagine like, oh, just because just to have somebody around. But if you were uncertain, if your dad was coming back or your mom was going to show up to pick you up from school, like that really feeds that need for certainty. So when you talk about uncertainty or variety, um, even though uncertainty has a negative impact on the mental state at sometimes it causes anxiety or fear. It can paradoxically have a positive effect on your overall quality of life. We need the uncertainty. We need to have a variety of experiences to inspire us, to help us formulate new ideas um, about ourselves and the world. And if we knew everything all the time, we would have no motivation to grow or change. There would be no innovation. Um, and really, who doesn't like a good surprise? Um, and variety. Variety is a spice of life. So uncertainty and variety is something that we need on a basic level. So going back into childhood, some kids have the privilege of living without trauma and chaos, but this may be at their disadvantage. You know, if you grew up in a boring and safe, super confined environment, um, you may be possibly, you know, dealing with parents who are paralyzed by fear and they never took risks or you live with grandparents who weren't able to get around as well. Um, and so you weren't exposed to a healthy variety of experiences. The need for uncertainty and variety 
may be a top priority for you. Um, this need can also be taken to an extreme and become dangerous. It's pretty easy to see how this can be easily met in an abusive relationship. If you are um, in a partnership with somebody that's emotionally unstable, their extreme mood swings give you that uncertainty fix that you need. You don't know if this person is going to be loving and affectionate when they get home or a fucking maniac. Like you go from one issue to the next and it can be thrilling and painful at the same time, but it feeds that need. So you are essentially addicted to that. Like these interactions can become chemically addicting. When your partner is mistreating you, your body releases the stress hormone cortisol. But when they reward you with affection for compliance, your body releases endorphins. So after repeating this dance of emotions over and over and over, your body gets addicted to that chemical cocktail. Um, I remember being away from my ex who was abusive and replaying the horrible things that he would say to me. Like I would think about that. And it would make me feel this deep hurt in my stomach, which I now know um, was my sacral chakra or my solar plexus. Um, it would make me feel this deep hurt. Like it, it was just like physically painful. And I would replay that over and over. Or I would play sad music to invoke this deep feel, sense of sadness because I wanted to feel that pain. Like I wanted that. Like. It was something about it. So it is a chemical addiction. It is a physical addiction and it can be hard to break free of that. Like looking back, it's, you know, now it sounds like, damn girl, like that was some fucked up shit. But now I can see that that was a literal addiction and that allows me to be mindful of that. And so, um, I can move forward knowing that I can avoid these situations or I can meet my need from uncertainty another way so that I won't get into a situation where I'm becoming dependent on somebody else to give that to me. Significance. Uh, this one's pretty obvious. We all want to be noticed and to be important to somebody in some way. Uh, we typically measure significance by what we believe makes us unique in comparison to somebody else. Um, depending on our parents' emotional and physical availability, we receive a varying degree of attention. Um, some kids get smothered with attention. Um, they're told often that they're great. Other kids, they get little to no recognition at all. Um, those who get too much have a false sense of importance and have the need to be constantly validated. Because again, it's an addiction. Because every time you say those positive words, you get that kick of endorphins and you want it. Like I want it all the time. Um, so they are a slave or some of them to external validation because that's all they know. And those who get very little or none or the wrong kind are also a slave to those, um, those valid, like you need it. They need it because they didn't get it. Um, these kids grow up and be, they, they turn into adults who prioritize the need to feel significant. Um, if you are someone, you know, you're somebody to somebody, you are somebody's one and only anything. You feel like this need is being met. If somebody tells you, oh my God, like there is nobody like you. I love you in a way that, you know, I don't love anybody else. Like you get trapped into that. You can be the one and only person 
who infuriates a person. Like you was like, oh, you're the only person that can make me this mad. You're the only person that can push this button, you know, or you can be the only person that understands somebody's brokenness. Like, oh, you're the only one who understands. Um, you're the only one that gets me. You're the only one, you know, all that bullshit. Um, or you know, I've heard somebody say you're the only one who's never abandoned me when really like this person is fucked up and they kind of you know like the people who did abandon them they probably did it for good reason but that gives you significance you feel like oh man look at me like I'm so strong and I'm helping them and whatever um these badges aren't honorable in the least but they don't have to be. They don't have to be honorable in order to fulfill that need. They just need to be special. They just need to be yours. They need to make you feel like you're important. And if this need is one at the top of your list, it's hard to consider being without that, even if that means dealing with bullshit. So uh, I hope that that gives you some kind of insight on how how addicting these things can be. Um, you know, you want to understand that it feels good for a reason because you're missing a piece of who you are at your core. Um, so love and connection. This is the need that we all think we are in pursuit of. We mistake some of the other basic needs for, oh, I just want to be loved. I just want to have a person or whatever. Um, this is super critical. I won't, I won't say that it's not important. It is very critical in our lives just to be loved and be connected because we are a species that moves in a group and we bond and we need that. Um, the lack of it creates mental and physical distress and the hope of it creates trauma bonds. So this one's very, very interesting. Love and connection is a complicated subject because we all have different ideas of what it looks like and feels like um, to be loved thanks to our parents and the environment we grew up in. Uh, because we use the word so often, um, we can use it whenever we want to. We have a pleasant opportunity to misuse that. Like we can just say it however we can use it for good or we can use it as a weapon, you know, um, if a young girl watches her mother being abused by her father, who says constantly that I love you or I love your mom, like I am a loving person, um, she may think that it's okay to be loved in that way. Or if you had an emotionally distant parent, you may have never felt love. So you go in search of whatever idea you got from somewhere else about what love is. So we have this thing that can't, it's hard to define and it's something that we really need. So people chase after it and we don't, we sometimes we don't know if we've gotten there or not, or we're actually receiving it or not. So this one is a, a challenge. So when you put this child that has either watched abuse and it's been paired with the word love or didn't get it, um, you put them in a relationship years later with the singular desire to be loved. Like you end up with a person who 
um, will deal with horrific things just in the name of being loved. Um, they form distorted connections with you know, partners based on the fact that, oh, this person touches me and I saw in a movie and that's what love is. Oh, he says he loves me often, so he has to mean it and it makes me feel good. Or he displays any other action that you may associate with love. Um, and as with all the other examples, the need to be loved will outweigh any of the bullshit that you have to deal with in the pursuit of that. Growth. We all want to feel like we're growing in some way. You are either growing or you're dying. And unfortunately, those lines get blurred sometimes when we don't have a consistent and healthy way to measure growth. That is, that's a big part. Um, different doesn't always equal growth. Like you can move a dying plant to a new pot. And if you continue to neglect it and you don't care for it properly, it's still dying. It's just in a new pot in a new place in your house. Um, as a child, you may have grown up in an environment that may not be classified as healthy, one where you had limited resources or a lot of violence and dysfunction, and those things were considered normal. So growth may be on the top of the list. You could be compared to that plant. You're being, you know, you're not being nurtured and cared for properly and you don't have the tools you need to grow. Um, maybe your parents didn't care much about your education or your health or your well-being in general. You may develop an unconscious desire for something quote unquote different to fulfill that unconscious need for growth. So in a relationship, you might be attracted to a man that is drastically different for you different from you. You may, you know, he may be in a different socioeconomic position, um, from a different cultural background, anything that seems interesting or different than what you're used to. Um, being with this person makes you feel like you're living a different life and you're experiencing different foods or maybe luxury, which feels like growth. This person can treat you like shit, but the fulfillment of the need for growth blinds you to the determinant of your overall growth. Like you're not, you're not actually growing you've just been placed in a different environment so I want like that's a huge one to be mindful of the growth aspect that you know just because you're doing something different does not mean that you're actually growing contribution this is the last one it may not be obvious in all people um, but deep down I think that we all want to make some kind of contribution this doesn't have to be on a grand scale it can be contributing an idea at the dinner table being the reason that somebody is happy or anything that um, you can say came from you and made some kind of positive impact a few situations in childhood that causes you to prioritize this need um, is that your parents make you feel like you aren't valuable so you are having to go out and prove them wrong or prove your worth another is being placed in a role as a caretaker you create this identity around this job so that you don't feel so overwhelmed by it. it's like oh this is who I am I'm the caretaker and I'm giving of myself and you know this is great that's the only way we deal with the things that we don't don't want to have to deal with but we have to deal with in relationships you take on that same caretaking role of your toxic partner because some abusers are really good at making you feel like they are you know in the process of changing their ways and so you take on an active role to be participating in that 
process, um, but really you have no proof to support the claim that they're changing. Um, but you see this as your contribution. You are selflessly giving of your happiness and safety in order to be of service to him while he heals. Um, so just being mindful of that, you know, you make sure that you don't put yourself in that role of chasing, chasing and wanting to show up and saying, look at me, I'm contributing. Um, so understanding the six basic needs and being able to analyze the one or two that you are currently prioritizing the most allows you to gain a little more clarity on why you were having such a difficult time leaving or you kept going back. Like this helps you move past the shame that we sometimes feel around the role that we played in a relationship. I don't believe that you should be held liable for another person's actions, but I do believe that you are in control of your life at this point and self-awareness and self-mastery are key components of growth. Um, I know for a fact that you can go from being defeated to being a dope ass boss bitch. Like you can go from being a victim to being like crazy dope. So that is with you being intentional about living a life of your dreams. Like nobody can take what you're working towards, especially somebody from the past who really never deserved to be in your presence in the first place. So I don't want you to give them that power. I don't want you to allow them to just kind of creep up into any situation that you're moving to because you haven't addressed your trauma. So we are on this journey to create a vision of you that challenges everything that people think about women like us. Like you literally are going to become magnetic. People will do anything just to get to know you. It's like, who is that? Why, why does she feel like this? Like it's about reclaiming your power. So this week, I want you to take some time to reflect on the six human needs and consider which were important to you back then, which are important to you now. Um, on our next episode, we're going to go into how we meet these needs on a more holistic way, like how we can show up for ourselves and how we can remove another person out of the equation for having to fulfill these needs. Like we want, we want people to add to those like, you know, Oh, I definitely feel safe with you, but I feel safe by myself too. Um, so a woman who can balance these things and ask very little of her partner is a true asset. And that's the status that we're going for. Um, but in the meantime, Make sure that you take a screenshot of this podcast, add it to your story. Tell me what you are working on now, what kind of needs we're looking at and how we're moving through them. Tag, you can tag my personal page in it. That is she is Jessica Laurent, L-A-U-R-E-N-T. I will put them in the show notes. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share and rate this podcast so your girl can get seen on this cutthroat platform, okay? <laughs> but as always, I love you guys. Make this week magical as fuck. And I'll see you next week.